Well, hello, everyone. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't been with us the past few weeks, I highly encourage you to check out those teachings. Uh, We've been going through divine healing, God's power and desire to see you healed. Uh, I just, I think that they're awesome teachings. I'm so excited about them, and I just intend to share them with everybody I can. Uh, The Bible is crystal clear that God wants you well, that God wants you healed, that God wants everybody healed. And so, especially if you're going through any kind of uh, sickness or disease battle or healing journey, I just can't encourage you enough to check those out or share them with your loved ones uh, where they might be encouraged. Uh, But anyway, we're going to switch gears a little bit today. We'll probably come back to divine healing, but uh, I really feel impressed to talk about something today. Maybe it's because of my own study time or what have you, but, you know, really... If you look at our teaching last week on the power and uh, authority in connection with divine healing, first of all, I just I love the teaching uh, that we get from the Word of God about that. I love the way the verses fit together. I love the way that you know that in a sense those are deep and kind of spiritual topics. But you know when you really get into the Word of God, they're not. They're not overly complicated. They're not too deep. They're not difficult to be understood. In fact, I think they're pretty clear and pretty easy and pretty obvious, especially when you get right down to it. You know, God wants everybody to receive the miracle working power of God, to function in the authority of the kingdom of God, to see, uh, you know, the power of God for healing manifested. And so it was really, you know, looking at those verses again, uh, looking especially again at the the power, the miracle working power of God, the Greek word, word dynamis, you know, how we get that in our lives. And then obviously that relationship between that power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And this is extremely important in a Christian's life. And it has been surrounded and assailed on every side by false doctrine and bad teaching designed by the devil to keep you from something amazing that God has for you. Now, I'm not saying that every person that doesn't believe in the baptism with the Holy Spirit is demonic or of the devil or anything like that. But But I am very clearly telling you that the idea that the baptism with the Holy Spirit is not for you or not for today or died with the early church, that's a doctrine of the devil. That's heresy. And that is something that the devil has has brought into the church to keep us from what God has for us. And look, I hope I'm not offending you. I hope I'm not stepping on your toes, but I may be running straight against what you were taught, what you've learned, what you've heard, uh, you know, whatever. But, but look, we're going to look at some verses today that, again, I, I think it just makes it so clear and it's so easy to be understood. It's so obvious. And so just just give me some time and look, and when this is over, if you still don't believe the baptism with the Holy Spirit is available to you, then I'd love to talk about it. I'd love to see what materials you have that prevent, that present a more convincing argument than what I've got here today. And I'm not even saying that what I'm going to show you today is that great or like that revelatory or, uh, you know, that convincing, but I think it's so obvious and I don't really think that there is any good biblical argument contrary. And so if you think you've got one, if you've heard one, I'd love to hear it. 
And um, I'd love to, to put up what I believe against any you know, reasonable biblical discussion that suggests the baptism of the Holy Spirit is no longer available to Christians. I don't know. I don't see that anywhere in the Word of God. I, I hear it in the doctrines and traditions of men and you know certain churches that it's just it's just unfortunate. It's just a shame, right? But but anyway, you know, let's just get into it. Let's see what you think. You know, we're, these verses are pretty clear, in my opinion. And so we're going to start with the verse we shared last time, which comes from the ministry of John the Baptist prior to the earthly ministry of Jesus. This is Matthew three eleven. John the Baptist says. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So that is John the Baptist before the ministry of Jesus even began in the earth, saying that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I, again, excuse me want to recognize John the Baptist audience. The Bible says his audience was people, and I quote, from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. You know, that's a pretty big and broad group. We really don't know who all is there. But he told them all that Jesus would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and fire. You know, that's a key part of Jesus's ministry to everyone. The baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so we we need to recognize right off the bat that there's no mention in the Bible anywhere that this was only designed for the 12 disciples or even just for like the 12 plus the 70. Remember, we read about that, Uh, you know, the 70 that Jesus gave authority and power to in Luke chapter 10. Jesus wants to baptize everyone with the Holy Spirit and the fire. There's no biblical limitation on this. And and so. We need to shed our minds from that thought. That if you have thought that either the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for today or not for you, uh, we need to just go ahead and discard that. But let's keep going here. So that was what John the Baptist said. Now let's fast forward all the way to the end of Jesus' earthly ministry after his resurrection, but before his final return to heaven. So he came, he ministered for approximately three years, he died, he rose again, now he's back in heaven, you know, giving the disciples and the, you know, his 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 various followers some thoughts before he goes back to heaven, uh, you know, where he sits today. So in Luke twenty four forty nine, Jesus tells the disciples to, quote, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. All right. And in Acts chapter one, probably the same conversation, just in the book of Acts, Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Isn't that interesting? For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, just a few verses later, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus wants these disciples to stay in Jerusalem until they are baptized with the Holy Spirit. He specifically says that in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when and he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you or when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will receive 
power. That's the word dunamis. That is the miracle working power of God. When they are clothed with God's power, when they receive that miracle working power from God, it's at that point they are to begin witnessing for Jesus in Jerusalem and uh, to the ends of the earth. I mean, it's amazing, right? He basically says, look, sit here and do nothing. You're not ready yet. Don't start witnessing just yet. Wait for the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and then you start ministering. And we have millions of, maybe not millions, but certainly many thousands of ministers today who are ministering, who either don't believe that verse or disregard that verse or or whatever, that are out there ministering without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying those people are demonic. I'm not saying they're ungodly, but I'm saying they're missing out. Their ministry is incomplete. That's right. Their ministry without the baptism with the Holy Spirit and the miracle working power of God is incomplete. So anyway, Jesus then returns to heaven. Okay. And in Acts 1 verse 15, we see that about 120 disciples listened to his instructions and they were waiting in Jerusalem together. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Very easy to say that that references the 120. So most likely about 120 people, one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we have probably 120 of Jesus' disciples Uh, together and all of a sudden there is a violent wind from heaven and they are all filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues. Then, so, okay, so they start talking and, and things start happening and other people begin to notice that something crazy is going on. So this is what Peter says. Peter stands up and he says, look, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Acts 2 verses 15 through 18. So Peter recognizes this is what Jesus was talking about. God's spirit has been poured out on God's people. And just keep that phrase poured out in mind because we're going to come back to that. He recognizes that this is it, where the disciples are baptized with the Holy Spirit and power or with the power of God. And just to recap, because this is in so this is so important. John the Baptist, before the earthly ministry of Jesus even began, promised that Jesus would baptize everyone with the Holy Spirit and fire. He was saying that as he baptized everyone with water, Jesus would baptize everyone with the Holy Spirit. And you fast forward a few years, Jesus agrees with those statements. He says, look, I'm going back to heaven, but you are about to receive the promised baptism with the Holy Spirit. Jesus also explains that when the Holy Spirit comes, so does God's miracle working power. Yes, 
Now, it's interesting. The disciples did experience that power through a specific delegation from Jesus that we see in Luke chapters 9 and 10. But now, with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, they are receiving a permanent endowment of that miracle working power straight from the Spirit of God. So sure enough, these disciples, 120 of them at least, in Acts 2 received or excuse me, approximately 120 of them in Acts 2, they received this baptism with the Holy Spirit and they received God's miracle working power. And, you know, not surprisingly at all, we begin seeing them work miracles with this power throughout the book of Acts. All sorts of miracles, just like Jesus did, healing, casting out demons. And and I think it's worth noting that in the book of Acts, we also see three other people Paul, Stephen, and Philip specifically operating in this power through the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You see, Stephen and Philip were not two of the twelve. And Paul was not even one of the 120. Paul didn't get saved and become a believer till Acts chapter 9. So so we see this miracle working power is not just for the 12. This baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just for the 12. It's not just for the 70. It's not just for the 120. But it's even being applied to more believers. And so, but let's keep going. You know, was the baptism of the Holy Spirit only for the select group plus Paul? What about other people? Are you supposed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit 2,000 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So side note from last week, what do we see Philip operating in here? The authority and power to heal the sick and drive out unclean spirits. That's what we talked about last week. Praise the Lord. Listen to that. You should be operating like that. But again... So keep going. Acts chapter 8, now verses 14 through 17. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So look who's receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit now. A bunch of Samaritans. These people aren't the apostles. They aren't the disciples. They weren't the 120. They weren't even Jews, right? They're a bunch of random people. They accepted Jesus Christ, and they got baptized. But Peter and John recognize that they need something more. They need the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So they laid hands on them and surprise, surprise, these Samaritans also received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at Acts chapter 10. Here Peter is speaking about Jesus to Cornelius and, you know, a random group of Gentiles. You know, God, yes, God sent him to Cornelius, but Cornelius invited some friends over for this. So, you know, we really have no idea who all was in Cornelius' house. But uh, 
I need you to get this. You know, these these are not Jews. These are not even Samaritans. These are not disciples, not apostles. Nobody, you know, nobody relatively special. I mean, obviously, Cornelius was an amazing guy. And that's why God sent Peter to him. But but we just don't know much about the group of people in his house. And when Peter gets there, when Peter shows up, they are all, including Cornelius, unsaved Gentiles. Acts 10, verses 44 through 47. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that's the Jewish Christians, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out. Remember, that's that phrase, poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. You see, those Gentiles believed the message about about Jesus from Peter, and they were immediately baptized with the Holy Spirit. Notice the Bible says the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. That's the same Greek phrase, poured out, that Peter used to describe what was happening to them on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Here in Acts 10, a group of Gentiles is experiencing the same manifestation of the Holy Spirit that the apostles and disciples did in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. I think that's absolutely fascinating. They are experiencing the same manifestation of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised directly to the twelve before he left earth. I mean, that's powerful. They are even speaking in tongues just like the apostles and the disciples did on the day of Pentecost. Listen, when what the apostles and disciples experienced on the day of Pentecost, what the Samaritans experienced in Acts chapter 8, and what these Gentiles experienced in Acts chapter 10 should be happening all over the world all the time, even to this day. And look, I I experienced it as a child. One day in Sunday school, when the children's church teacher laid her hands on me to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. But look, just to keep going, notice the difference between Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 10. Sometimes a person receives the baptism with the Holy Spirit the same time they receive the gospel. And sometimes it's a separate experience. There's no need to go crazy. People overthink this. Oh, it's so nauseating. Look, sometimes it's simultaneous. Sometimes it's not. If you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the moment you got saved, wonderful. If not, then you need to receive it if you haven't received it already. Look, let's look at Acts chapter 19. We see here the Apostle Paul in Ephesus. This interaction occurs probably 20 years after the first disciples were baptized with the Holy Spirit back in Acts chapter 2. So we have uh, Acts chapter 19, Paul now in Ephesus. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, 
They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So here we have some random group of people in Ephesus. Paul meets them and finds out they are disciples and believers. And what's the first thing he asked them? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's the first thing he asked. Why would Paul ask them that? Because he didn't know. They were obviously Christians or Paul wouldn't have asked. Maybe they received the Holy Spirit when they believed, like the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. But maybe not, as the Samaritans didn't receive the Holy Spirit when they first believed in Acts chapter 8. But why did Paul even care? And this is really the driving force for my message for you today. Paul cared because Paul knew, as I do, that it's extremely important for every believer to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And so I ask you that same question right now, my dear brother or sister. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? If not, and if you still haven't received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, then then come get me. Or I'll come meet you. If you're a woman, you can meet with my wife or we'll both come. It's time for you to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Don't delay. God wants you baptized with the Holy Spirit today. You see, these Ephesians, these people from Ephesus, had their own Pentecost experience right there in Ephesus some 20 years after that first day of Pentecost. They were far from Jerusalem, but a witness for Jesus, that's Paul, a witness for Jesus came and helped them get baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on them, they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. It happened that way in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 19. And that's the way it should happen in some chapter of your life. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is not for some select group of Christians. It's not only for mature Christians. Biblically speaking, this is a day one teaching. Biblically speaking, this is a day one gift from God for every believer. Jesus wants to baptize everyone with the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants everyone to receive God's miracle working power and be his witness. Remember what Jesus said in Mark 16. These signs shall follow them that believe. And one of those is they shall speak in new tongues. Jesus wants everyone to believe. Jesus wants everyone baptized with the Holy Spirit, and Jesus wants everyone, every believer to speak in new tongues. In what chapter of your life are you going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, mine was in children's church 30 years ago. And yes, I had some wayward years. I don't deny that, but I never lost my prayer language. I never lost the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I've had an unbroken you know, relationship with the Holy Spirit all these years, and I know God wants me to help people in this area. And look, if if you don't have the baptism with the Holy Spirit, your Christian life is incomplete. And look, that may be harsh, but it's a biblical truth. John the Baptist said, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And if you haven't experienced that, you're missing out. And look, as some people say, it's tight, but it's right. That's just the truth. And look, no, it's not a requirement for salvation. It's not a requirement for a lot of what God has for your life. Remember, I explained that last week, 
you know, you can still do a lot for God without the baptism of the Holy Spirit because of various things that you do receive when you become a Christian immediately, automatically, that second, including the authority of the kingdom of God. But a Christian life without the baptism with the Holy Spirit is still incomplete. You don't have the relationship with the Holy Spirit. You should. You are not clothed upon with power from on high. And look, maybe you don't want that. Maybe you think, look, I don't need that. or That's not me. No, God wants all of us to have it. God wants every believer to have the miracle working power of God in their lives. And look, don't settle for less than God's best. Don't be content to live powerless and short of God's will. And why? Why do so many denominations fight against this? Why do so many people refuse to believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's not their fault. It's because the devil has deceived huge portions of the church about this. And and why would he do that? It's kind of obvious when you think about it. It's because he doesn't want us to have the power. It's the same, you know, he fights against this just like he fights against the tithe because he doesn't want us to do what we're supposed to do to operate in all that God has for us. He doesn't want us to have the miracle working power of God that we're supposed to have to fight against the kingdom of darkness. Why? Because what's going to happen in your life? What's going to happen in your life? You know, there are a lot of people that are baptized with the Holy Spirit. They don't they don't walk in it like they should. I'm not coming down on anybody, myself's included in that, right? But let's just think, what's going to happen in your life if you live with a manifestation of the power of God? Well, people are going to get saved. People are going to get touched. People are going to get healed, right? You're going to have a, a revival wherever you go. You, you, the people around you are going to experience the, the love and the manifestation of God and they're going to get saved. Then they're going to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're going to get the power of God and they're going to get other people saved. You see, that's that's what's going to happen if we start doing what the Bible says and, and receiving this baptism with the Holy Spirit like Jesus promised us. Remember, he said, you know, wait for God's promise. The, the Holy Spirit is God's promise to all of us, not just the immediate infilling and, you know, the way that we do become the temple of God and the temple of the Holy Spirit, the moment we get saved, it's absolutely true. But there's but there's a, a pouring out, right, a pouring out of the Holy Spirit, a baptism with the Holy Spirit that that can happen as a separate experience where we get the power of God. Truly the power of God to be a witness for Jesus to the ends of the earth. And I know that a lot of people hear that and they think, oh, I'm supposed to do a mission trip. No, you can be a witness for Jesus in your neighborhood, in your family, in your job, wherever you are. Don't worry about the where. Just worry about, you know, the fact that you know, I don't mean worry, but you know what I mean, right? Just f focus on the fact that, look, I am a witness for Jesus. This is who I am. This is the life I'm going to have. Here am I. Send me. Right? Send me to send me to my family. Send me to my neighbors. Send me to wherever you want me to go. I heard one man say it like this. You know, you want God to send you to the nations, but he can't send you to Publix. You see, we have to be open and available. But it's this baptism with the Holy Spirit that brings the power, brings the fire, and and empowers us to go out and be a witness for Jesus. You know, I want all that God has for me, and you should too. And, you know, how do I know that I can personally 
pray with you and you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's because I'm not saying that I'm special. and I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is unique, you know, with me in some unique way or something like that. It's nothing like that. I'm just doing what the Bible shows me to do. This is how the disciples operated. This is how Paul operated. This is how we're supposed to operate. You, if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you can lay hands on people and they can also be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, I've, I've laid hands on a number of people and they've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not because of anything to do with me, but because this is the operation of the kingdom of God. This is the way the things of God work. Do We're doing what the Bible says. And, and it'll be no different for you. And I just know that, you know, some of you are going to hear this. The, the Spirit of God is going to tug on your heart and say, yes, yes, I, you need that, man. I want you to receive this baptism with the Holy Spirit. I want you to receive the power of God and, and you know, be more of a witness for me in your life. And look, I know, and I'm not trying to be redundant, but I know there are arguments against this, and I'm just telling you flat out, they're wrong. They're they're wrong. They're a lie from the pit of hell. They're heresy. And, you know, I, I, none of them, I, I've seen them, I mean, none of them uh, stand up to biblical scrutiny in any way, shape, or form. You know, I'm a lawyer. I can tell you what's a good argument or not, What what's a, a sound discussion based on the law, based on the Word of God. To, to present a position as to whether the baptism with the Holy Spirit's for today and for you. And it is. Praise the Lord. It's for you and it's for today and it's right now. I don't care if you got saved five minutes ago. God wants you to have the baptism with the Holy Spirit and the miracle working power of God today. And that is awesome. You know, and I just want to say, you know, I hope you're convinced that you need the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You should not be going through life without this relationship with the Holy Spirit and without this relationship with the miracle working power of God, because those are exactly what Jesus wants you to have. And I know, man, there are so many people that your life will go to another level, your desire for the things of God your desire to be a witness. I mean, oh my gosh, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, something powerful happens to you. And a lot of the people in your life that you know, that you look at them and, you know, they're a little bit nutty or they're, they're a crazy Christian or they're super committed or, you know, everybody else just kind of maybe does this or that and the other. But there's a few people, they're on another level and they're, they're, you know, wacky about it. Maybe you feel that way about some of the Christians in your life. Ask them if they've received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, because chances are they have. Uh, I, I think that that is, you know, the number one indicator when you find someone that's really committed, someone radical for Jesus. And it's very common that they will have received in some point in their life the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you too will receive it uh you know, soon, right away, feel free to contact me anytime we can get together and pray. And, you know, in the same way you should receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you should have your prayer language. You should speak in tongues. And next time I'll show you, you know, the Bible is just as clear on that as it is that God wants you healed, that God wants you to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that God wants you to have plenty of money. The Bible's crystal clear about all this when you really just take a few minutes and look at what it says. Guys, I love you. God bless you. And I hope you have a great week.